Hi everyone, welcome to Faith Community Church. We're so glad that you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about our church, you can check us out at woodstockfcc.com. That's woodstockfccfaithcommunitychurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Good morning again. I'm going to keep my bottle here. I might need to take a sip every once in a while to help stifle some of those uh, coughs back. And while we're feeling better when I talk a lot, I find I have to cough. I don't cough otherwise. Uh, So it's kind of unfortunate that what I need to do every Sunday morning is talk a lot. Maybe some of you are grateful that it'll maybe pull back a little and talk a little less, but I wouldn't count on it, okay? We're on week five now of this Abide series that we've been journeying through, and uh, over the last four weeks, we've covered a lot of really important things, and I'm not going to give an in-depth overview of everything we've covered, but here's just the quick reminder of the things we've talked about. We began by looking at the question, why? Why should I abide in Jesus? And we, we read the answer. Jesus gives it to us in John 15, 11. He says, as you abide in me, you'll experience my joy and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be overflowing. So we abide in Jesus so that we can experience the joy he has for us. And then we began looking at some of the beginning passages, starting in verse 1, where Jesus says that he is the true vine. We looked at the source, we called it. Do you remember Viticulture 101? Anyone remember? That is, source determines substance. If you want to have Christ-like fruit in your life, you have to be connected to Jesus. Then we looked at the gardener. In verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father, God, is the vine dresser or the gardener. And so we looked at how God cares for us and how he, uh, he, his goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. And then the, the next week we looked at uh, part of that care, which is the pruning. We, we looked at how part of God caring for us is the pruning. God the gardener will prune from your lives everything that's not of him so that you can bear more fruit and healthier Which brings us back to today, week five now in the series, and today we're going to talk about the connection. But first, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray for this service. We pray that, as in all things, your will would be done. May everything that we do and say and sing and all the sounds that are heard, may they be received to you as glorifying praise, for that is why we're here. We're not here uh, to just amass more information. We are here to meet with you, to commune with you, to uh, speak to you and to give you praise, but also to slow down and listen for you. And in that, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd be interceding between the words that are said and heard so that each person who is here, who hears this, knows that they have heard from you. We give you this service wholly to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in John 15, 4, we're moving forward in this passage, little by little. Uh, we won't cover every verse in the whole passage, otherwise we'll be here for the next year. Uh, but in John 15, 4, Jesus says this, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit itself by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, I shared earlier in this series that I really love this passage in John 15 for a whole bunch of reasons. I've shared some of them, but one of the reasons I love it is that it's so clear. Uh, Some of Jesus' other metaphors and parables, they're a little less clear. It takes a little uh, more digging to understand them. They can be a little more difficult, but this one, I love it. It's so 
clear. Even someone like me who's not a gardener can understand what's happening. The vine and the branches. I get it. Uh, but just in case it's not clear, I love this. In verse 4, what we're looking at here today, Jesus goes the extra mile to make sure everything is clear, to make sure no one will mistake what he's saying. So he, I, I picture him saying, okay, you, you understand that a branch can't bear fruit, right? Unless it's connected to the vine and everyone's nodding their heads. Yep. Okay. I get that. He says, okay, well, well, you are the branch and I'm the vine. Do you get it? And I imagine most people are saying, okay, I get it, but there must have been someone who had a confused look, maybe one of those disciples. Anyone else appreciate that the disciples didn't get things? I love that. That makes me feel better about myself. And we get some more explanation in the scriptures. I don't know if it was one of the disciples or someone else listening, but someone must have had a confused look. Jesus says, okay, you understand the branch can't do it without the vine. You're the branch, I'm the vine. Do you get it? And someone must have had a very confused look because Jesus goes one more step uh, forward. He says, listen, you can't bear fruit unless you abide in me. He makes sure there's no mistake in it. And here then in verse four, in Jesus's words here, we see the entire point of the series and the entire point of the life groups that are now meeting. And it's made so unmistakably clear. You ready? If you want to be fruitful, you need to be connected to Jesus. It doesn't get more simple than that. If you want to be fruitful, if you want to bear Christ-like fruit in your life, you need to be connected to Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, I've said over and over again, in our life groups, it's going to be all about the how, and I meant what I said. And so those of you who are in life groups, if you're doing the work this week already, you know this. The lesson that the life groups are working through this week is titled, Establish Time to Abide in Jesus. That's what the lesson is this week for those in the life groups. Establish time to abide in Jesus. It's about learning how and why to establish time to abide, what we're talking about. The, the, the modern word we might use to describe it is devotions, right? You've heard that term? Often by devotions, we mean a specific time that we set aside to read our Bible and to pray. Now, we spent 12 months, uh, most of you know this, talking about prayer and hearing God, just about 12 full months, doing nothing but talk about that. And if you track through that journey with us, and what I'm about to say should not be surprising at all. In fact, you could probably finish just half of these sentences I'm about to say if you were here for those 12 months, because I said the same thing over and over again, just about every week. And so I hope some of that has stuck. Um, so in, in the series that we did on prayer and hearing God, one of the, the catchphrases or models that we had was this, the main way that we hear God speak is through the Bible. And I've probably said literally hundreds of times through the, through the last year this, this sentence, ready? If you want to hear God speak, then you have to read your Bible. And the same thing holds true here. That principle holds true as we explore this idea of connecting with Jesus. And we could instead say it this way, if you want to connect with Jesus, then you have to read your or we could say the main way that we connect with Jesus is reading the... Good, you guys, are, you guys are right on top of it today. It's good. If you want to connect with Jesus, then you have to read your Bible. Doing devotions, right? That, that's that modern word, which is reading and praying. Doing devotions, that's reading, allowing God to speak through his word, talking to him about it through prayer. That is the main way we connect, the main way that we abide in Jesus. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. I want to look at four reasons why... You need to connect with Jesus through God's word. We're going to look at four reasons why you need to connect with Jesus through the Bible. Let me take a sip first. Let's look at number one. 
Why do you need to connect with Jesus through God's word? Number one, God's word changes us. Hebrews 4.11 says it like this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. <coughs> Excuse me. God's word, it says, is alive and active. It is powerful. And as we read it, as we meditate on it, as we allow God to speak to us through it, we will be changed. So here in the Hebrews passage, it's compared to a sword. Just imagine something incredibly sharp. I like to think of it like a scalpel. It's able to go in and cut with exact precision. And so we can understand if we remember back to last week, God's word, as we read the Bible, will do exactly what we talked about. God, the garden who cares for us through his word, will prune our lives of everything that is not of him. As we read God's word, as we meditate on him, as we encounter Jesus through it, God will use his word to prune our lives so that we can be even more fruitful. And the key here is that you have to do more than just pass your words over the passage. You have to do more than just let your eyes gloss over the words on the page. You actually have to be open and allow God's word to do what it's supposed to do, which is to teach, correct, rebuke, and guide us. You have to allow God's word to make a real-world difference in how you live. James 1.22, I, I talk about this verse often, I bring it up for good reason, because it makes this uh, point so clear, it gets right to the heart of it. It says this, do not merely listen to the word, or we could say do not merely read the word, and so deceive yourselves. What's the back half? Do, do, do I need to say that again? Do, live out, put it into action, obey, do what it says. See, we can hear God's word, we can study God's word, we can spend time in it every single day, and all those are good things, and I hope and pray you do put those things into action. But unless you are acting on what it says, unless it makes a real-world difference in how you live, it's of little use. Why? Because knowledge isn't complete until it leads to doing. Information, that doesn't lead to trans information won't lead to transformation until you act on it. I could say it this way, if what you know about the Bible, and maybe consequently, if what you know about Jesus makes no difference on how you live, it doesn't affect your life, according to James 1.22, this is not me saying it, it says, you're deceiving yourself. If what you know about the Bible and what you know about Jesus doesn't affect how you live, you're deceiving yourselves. You have to take the next step and actually put it into practical action. You have to do what it says. Dallas Willard, uh, he, he said this. He said, we are educated beyond our ability to obey. I think he's hinting at this idea that we know more, and maybe we place more emphasis on knowing. We know more than what we actually do. We learn, we study. Many Christians at least have a rudimentary understanding of what the Word of God says, what the Bible says, but very few actually do it. And so the Bible becomes a book that we read, but not something that actually has any real-world impact on how we live. It doesn't influence how we live. Many Christians don't allow, we could say it this way, they don't allow God to prune their lives, that's last week, with his word. And if you don't allow God to prune your life with his word, you're not going to be changed by it. So it's key to understand this principle. So listen very, very closely. If you want to connect with Jesus then you have to connect with his word, with the Bible. But more than just reading the words, you have to do 
what they say. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's in the doing that you will see change happening in your life. And through the change, you'll find your life is now bearing fruit and fruit in abundance. Connecting with Jesus through, connect with Jesus through God's word. Why? Because through it, God will change you. Let's look at number two. Why do you need to connect with Jesus through the Bible? Because God's word will grow us. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. In the Greek it says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the logos. It's really significant. The logos is this universal word of God. It says, long for God's word, his universal word to us, his logos, like a newborn longs for milk. Now I have two young children, you guys know this, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and I still remember the newborn stage very, very well, and maybe it's because I still don't sleep. I still sleep like they're in the newborn stage, I don't know, but I remember the newborn stage and how when they're very little, um, very, very little, they can hardly communicate, they essentially can cry and scream and shout. Uh, so they have very little communication skills, but you always knew when they're hungry. I remember that. There was usually no mistake in the hungry cues, and if you miss some of the earlier ones, it just leads to that desperation crying. They longed for milk. They wanted it. They, they frantically would cry out for it. They have an eager desire for it or a desperation for it, and they longed for this milk. Why? Because the milk contains everything they need to grow and to be healthy. And so we're told here in this First Peter uh, verse that we are supposed to, like newborn babies long for milk, we are supposed to have that desperation where we long for the pure milk of the Logos, of God's Word. And it's for the very same reason. We are supposed to long for God's Word because it contains everything that we need to grow and be healthy. And to that I say, and I, I, I will say this humbly but boldly, if you are not spiritually growing, if you are not spiritually hungry, if you are not bearing Christ-like fruit, then it is likely an indication that you are not connecting with Jesus through God's word. If you are not growing, if you are not bearing Christ-like fruit, that is likely an indication that you are not connecting with Jesus through God's word. J.B. Chapman, he, he has a great quote. It says this, All men are little when they are born. The fault is some remain little until they die. What's he talking about? He's saying there are people who choose Christ, but then never grow in Christ. And notice what he's saying. I appreciate this. It's a choice that they are making. This choice not to feed on the logos, the word of God. The, the spiritual growth is producing fruit in our lives. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to want to grow, and you have to intend to grow. And, and we need to understand, of course, Jesus is the one that gives us everything we need. He nourishes us. He supplies us. He is the vine. We are the branches. He pushes life into us. Uh, we aren't the one doing that, but for that to happen, you have to be connected to him. For that to happen, you have to be connected to him. Jesus says, just as the branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So why connect with Jesus through God's word? Well, number one, because it changes us. If we will allow it to, God will prune our lives with it. Number two, because through it we are nourished and God will grow us through it. And here's number three. God's word prospers us. 
hear God's word through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 11. It says, in the same way, it is the same way with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Isn't that good news? If you connect with God's word, it's always going to produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Now, let's be clear. Does this mean if you read the Bible, you're going to get rich? Is that what it's saying? I don't want to disappoint you here, but no. Okay. In fact, if you go and read the the whole chapter of Isaiah 55, what you'll see is God's continually calling out to his people. He's continually telling them, listen to me. Heed my voice. Listen to what I am saying. Obey it. And he's repeatedly telling them, because if you do, here's all the good things that will happen. I have good things in store for you, but you have to listen. And so we can understand then when we get to verse 11, what, what, what it means is that when we shema, does anyone remember shema? Shema means to listen, to hear, but also at the same time to obey. That's what Shema is. It's two, two sides of one coin. If you listen, you hear the word and don't act on it, you're not Shemaing, okay? That's just the mechanical sound of the, the words going in your brain or your eyes crossing over the page. But to Shema means I've heard it, I've read it, and now I'm going to act out on it. I'm going to obey it. And so what, what we can understand verse 11 saying is when we Shema God's word, we will experience all that we need for life and godliness. We can say that another way. When we Shema God's word, we will bear fruit. We will be prosperous in the things that ultimately matter. Jesus tells us, of course, in John 15, 11, we looked at it, that by listening to his words, we will experience his joy. Don't you want that? Don't you want to experience the joy of Christ in your life? Our life will be richly blessed. And so why do we need to connect with Jesus through the Bible? Because God's word will prosper us. Let's look at one more reason. One more reason to connect with Jesus through the word of God. Number four, God's word sustains us. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness, the devil came and tempted him. And at this point, you got to imagine again, Jesus had fasted for 40 days. And there is no doubt he was hungry. We know that he was human in every way, which means he didn't get a pass on being hungry. And so he was hungry. He had just fasted for 40 days, no food at all. And the devil comes to tempt him. And we read it in Matthew 4, 3. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The devil's tempting him, use your power, create food, eat, be satisfied, satisfy those hunger cravings. (coughs) Excuse me. But listen carefully, this is important, listen carefully to how Jesus responds in the next verse, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God of God. Notice then, Jesus is saying here that there are two types of food that we need to be sustained in life. The two types of fuel, you could say, to fuel our lives. The first, of course, is physical food. That's the fuel that gives uh, life to our body. We we know enough science to say if you stop eating for long enough, you're going to die. That's just how it works. You have to feed your body with physical food. But Here, Jesus points out, not only do we need to feed our bodies food to grow and to be healthy, but our soul needs nourishment and food too. It needs spiritual food. And Jesus calls this spiritual food, ready, in Matthew 4, 4, every word that comes from the mouth of God. In fact, we know that physical food is not enough to sustain uh, us because we know even if we eat all the food in the world, we're still going to die. Physical food can't even sustain our physical life 
uh, forever, we will all die no matter how much food we have or eat, and no matter how healthy we eat, we are all still going to die. We will experience a physical death, which is why it's so important then that we connect with the Word of God because the Word of God connects us with the capital W, Word of God, that's Jesus. And it's Jesus who gives us everlasting life. Listen to Jesus' words from John 6, 48 to 51. This is what Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus, again, is saying what we're talking about. Even physical food, even if it's miraculous physical food, like manna from heaven, isn't enough to sustain you. You need something more. And so he says, I am what you need. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread, or we could say it this way, anyone who connects with me, abides with me, will live forever. Which this brings us back full circle to the beginning where we began in John 15, 4, where Jesus tells us, abide in me as I abide in you. Isn't that good news? Jesus is going to do it too. If you draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit it's by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you want to bear Christ-like fruit in your life, you have to be connected to Jesus. And the main way we connect with Jesus is by connecting with the Word of God. If you want to connect with Jesus, then you have to read your... Thank you. Good. And if you do this, if you, we can say it this way, partake in God's Word, that is, you read it, you actually do it, you shema, you apply it to your life, it will change you. It will grow you. It will, uh, it will prosper you, and it's going to sustain you. And through it, you find Jesus, the bread of life, the bread from heaven who gives everlasting life. But let's get even more practical here this morning. How do you do that? How do you partake in God's word? I, I can sum it up in one word, and that word is meditation. And I know that word immediately brings uh, some barriers up for some people. We get scared of that word. We think that sounds really new agey, or that sounds kind of like Middle Eastern kind of religion kind of stuff. And so I want to quickly just quell your fears so that we can get to the more important part of the conversation. So first, we need to understand meditation is a biblical concept. There's no mistaking it. There's no denying it. There's no getting around it read your Bible, you will see the word meditation pop up over and over and over and over again. And I didn't put any examples in here, but you can find some. And if you're having trouble finding some, I, I have a whole list I could give you. We need to understand meditation is not something that's way out there. It actually comes from the Bible itself. It's a biblical concept. Second, we need to understand then what the Bible teaches about meditation is not the same things that we, we think about or understand from other Middle Eastern religions when they teach about meditation. So the concept of meditation for a lot of other religions and thought patterns out there is about emptying yourself. You got to empty your mind. That's what they're doing through meditation. But the concept that we find in scripture is not about emptying yourself, but instead about filling your mind with what? The word of God. 
You read through scripture, you'll see over and over again, every time meditation is mentioned, it's about filling yourself with the word of God. You'll see things that say, I meditate on your law, that's God's word, day and night. You'll see that over and over again. I'm going to keep it on my mind all day, all night. And it's so important that we understand this, that meditation is about filling ourselves with God's word because we need to fill our minds with God's truth. And one of my favorite passages I have uh, memorized through the years and I've talked about it a lot in, in Sunday mornings. It comes from Romans 12 too, so you might know it too. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. And some people stop there, but don't stop there. Keep going in the verse because it says, then if you renew your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to know or an experience what God's will is for your life, if you want to experience the good, pleasing, and perfect plan that he has for you, we are told that happens, we gain that knowledge, as we are transformed, how? By renewing our minds. And how do we renew our minds? We renew our minds by filling them with God's truth. Or we could say it like this, we renew them by meditating on the Bible. So understand then, to meditate is not only to read the words, but to go Further, it includes reading and memorizing, and I know that's scary for some of us. It includes storing them in our minds so we can pull them out later. It's about considering and thinking through, and we can use this word ruminating. Uh, I learned a lot about animals uh, this week as I was studying animals that ruminate and, and, and researching for this part of the sermon. And so you guys are probably all smarter than me and you know these things, but I'm going to share with you what I learned anyways uh, you've likely heard, you know, the phrase like how cows chew their cud and all that. And so I, I learned about this process of rumination uh, in these kinds of animals. Let me just take a sip and I'll share. So there's this process that cows have when they're eating their food, especially really fibrous food like their hay. <clears throat> they have this multi-step process uh, to break it down to ensure they get the most nutrients from it. And so the process goes something like this. Cows chew their food, but just enough to swallow it. And then they swallow it, and then the food sits in that first part of their stomach for a little while, while something called rumen, that's probably where we get that word rumination from, rumen takes that food and begins to soften it even further. Uh, and then that, that softened food, which is now called cud, is sent back up to the mouth. This is really not appetizing right before lunch, but it is what it is. That softened food from the stomach is sent back to the mouth where they re-chew it again, further breaking the food down before it's swallowed again, uh, where it then begins the process of being fully digested. And believe it or not, this is a great way to understand meditating on God's word. It's about taking God's word, his truth, and chewing on it. You read it, you consider it, you let it sit for a bit on your mind before we bring it back up again where we can read it again and think on it again and we can ask God to speak through it as we are reaching so that we get the full benefit from what we have read. And if we want to get really, really, really practical here, if you're saying this is all good, but I, I don't even know how to start or where to start, let me, let me help you. If you really have no idea where to start, you're saying, okay, I have a Bible or I can go online and look at the Bible. I just, it's just overwhelming even just to look, you know, all these different books. What do I do? I'm going to get so practical this morning. Ready? If you have no idea what to do, just start with the Gospel of John, okay? John is a great place to start. Open up to John chapter 1. It's in the New Testament, third book. You'll find it. And then you can use this process of rumination or of meditation to help you 
and to guide your reading times. And so here are the steps for it. I'll put it up on the screen for you. John's the fourth book. I'm being corrected at the back. Yes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Isn't that embarrassing? Don't, don't make mistakes, okay? Because it's really embarrassing, especially when they're recorded and kept online forever. So uh, John's the fourth book. Let's, let's look at these steps now, okay? We're going to use this process to help us learn how to meditate on Scripture. Really simple. Read, ask, reread, listen, and the most important one, obey. Let's see how this practically plays out, okay? So you select your passage. We're going to the fourth book, John chapter 1, fourth book, and we don't have to overthink this. Ready? You select your passage, so I'm telling you, okay, you select John chapter 1, and you read. You do your first reading, your first chew, we can call it. But here's the key. We're not overthinking things here. We're just reading. We're letting the words flow through our mind and our hearts. We're not overanalyzing every word. We're not stopping midway through. We're just going to read it just enough to swallow it. And then you slow down and then you stop to pray and you ask God, are you trying to say something to me from this passage? What are you saying to me from this passage? And you might want to start thinking about words or phrases that might have stood out to you in that reading. You, you consider them a little. But then we're going to do our second read. So then we reread the passage. But this time we're going to slow down as we read. And we're going to pay closer attention to anything that might have stood out. Anything that seems to be jumping off the page or speaking. Maybe it's ringing. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's stinging a little. But something might be speaking to you from this. And you're going to pay closer attention. And then you're going to ask God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me from this? Why is this standing out? Maybe it'll be really obvious. Maybe you've got to sit in prayer for a little while and just say, God, what are you trying to say to me through this? And then we ask this question. How do you want me to practically live this out? Listen for him to speak. Say, how do you want me to practically live what you're saying to me out? And then you listen. And then the most important step, of course, you do it. You obey. You don't just take the information. You have to act out in obedience what God is saying to you. This is really uh, simple, but really effective. It's an effective tool to help lead devotional times. You read, you ask, you reread, you listen, and then you obey. And if you want to dive deeper into this kind of stuff, let me encourage you. It's not too late to sign up for a life group where we're doing just this. We, we, we've met once, uh, and it's not too late to get caught up, though, and you're not going to be missing out if you still want to join. I'm going to keep pushing this, so I'd really encourage you, if you're on the fence about it, now's the time. Uh, by next week, it might be a little harder to catch up, so this is the time to sign up, sign up, sign up. You can still do it. Reach out to me. I'll get materials in your hands. In our life groups, we, we are actively doing this. We are learning about the importance of connecting with Jesus through the Bible and doing it. We're not just talking about it. We are practically getting our hands on and doing it. And I know if you do this, your life will be incredibly impacted in meaningful ways. But regardless, I, I want to make this my prayer as we close. I pray that you would take hold of this important truth. Abide in Jesus as he abides in you. Remain in him. Because why? You can't bear fruit unless you abide in him. And the main way to abide and to connect with Jesus, the main way to do it is through reading your Bible. If you want to abide in Jesus then you have to read your Bible. Let me pray for us. Suddenly, Father, we are thankful that you don't just leave us on our own, but that you connect with us, that you tell us, abide in me, connect with me as I will abide in you. We thank you that 
the growth and the bearing fruit in our lives is not something that we have to figure out on our own. It's not something that we have to do in our own strength. In fact, we can't do it in our own strength. Every time we try, we will fail. And so you tell us as we connect with you, you will nourish us, you will sustain us, you will prosper us, you will grow us, you will change us so that we will bear your fruit. We will have a Christ-like attitude, a Christ-like character, and a Christ-like mission in the world. And as we bear your fruit, you tell us, we will experience your joy, an overflowing joy. And so I pray then as we take a moment now to slow down and to connect with you through prayer, I pray that you will speak to us. And then I do pray then, Holy Spirit, that you will just silence anything that's not of you, even our own inner voices in these moments where we come to you so that we can hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So something we do at the end of every service here to close our services, we call it Take Two. Uh, and what it is, is we're going to give you two minutes to ask God two questions. Now, this is not just a reflection. We can easily use it as a reflection time, and that would be a good use of your time. You can just reflect on the message that was said, the scriptures that were read, the songs that we sung, and that would not be a waste of time. But I think we can do something much more meaningful with this time, and that is we can actually listen and hear from God. See, we as a church, we believe God speaks, and here's the important thing, we believe what he has to say is worth listening to. And so we want to give you the practical opportunity to do that every week before you leave, to not just reflect, but to actually hear from God. So we give you two minutes to ask God these two questions. The first one you ask is, God, what are you saying to me? What is one thing you want me to hear before I leave this morning? What is one thing you are trying to say to me this morning? And then you ask that and then stop and listen. But of course, as we talked about in James 1.22, we don't just stop at the listening and hearing. We always go to the next question, which says, okay, God, now that you've spoken to me, I've heard your message. The one thing you want me to hear, we ask, what do you want me to do about it? How do you practically want me to live this out in obedience this week? So we're going to give you two minutes to ask God those two questions. Then I'll come back and I'll close our service this morning. So we'll start that for you right about now.
Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been doing a little bit different of a benediction style, and we're going to continue to do that today. So I'm going to encourage you to stand with me. And it's going to be up on the screen for just a minute. And so I'm going to keep talking until it shows up. It's loading. You can see that. Uh, this is a, a benediction that uh, we, we blatantly took from a devotional that I'd been doing with our, our kids. And I just thought it just would work really well for us as we come to uh, the end of a week, but also the beginning of a new week. And so we're going to pray. It's not going to be there, apparently. So maybe I'll just have to lead you through it. Oh, it is there. And this is a great way to not only end the week, but to send us off into a new week. And so I pray as we close this morning, you'll take this prayer with you as we go. And so remember, there's a few uh, actions you have to do with me. And it's going to start by putting a hand over your heart. And we're going to pray this together. It should be up there. So let's pray. Say, Father God, fill us with your love. Help us to love you and everything you've made. And then next we point to our eyes and we pray, Lord Jesus... Help us to see you and help us to see others the way you see them too. Last, we point to our ears. This is a lot of what we talked about today and we pray this. Holy Spirit, help us to hear you and give us the courage to do what you say. Amen. I pray you go with that this week. Thank you so much for joining.